Welcome to Wellversed, where we bring biblical principles of governance to governmental leaders and you. This is the Wellversed podcast. Tonight we have an unusual, we have an unusual, unusual lineup. What happened in Canada? You have been following us as we've interviewed the truckers. We've talked to the pastors that are up there that are involved. It's been a, quite an eye opener, and that trucker movement in Canada spread around the world. And uh, so we're going to take you back to understand what happened in Canada. It's not that all the other things in the world are not important right now. There's a lot happening in the globe. We're watching very, very carefully. We'll talk about some of those later. But we wanted you to see behind the scenes what happened when Trudeau invoked emergency powers. Uh, They later revoked them. What in the world happened? And to help us understand that, we're going to go. I had to tape them a few days ago. Uh, David Barton, our good friend David Barton, everyone knows Wall Builders Ministries, one of the strongest ministries in America. I had the privilege of co-authoring a book called This Precarious Moment with David Barton, which I commend highly to you. But now let's go to David Barton, who's going to explain behind the scenes what happened in Canada and why that is joltingly relevant to your life here and now. David Barton. Canada, we've seen a lot of what's happened with the truckers being there in Ottawa and what's happened to them and around them. Uh, to understand what happened there, we have to back up a little bit. We got to go back about six years ago. Six years ago, the climate Paris Accords that, that occurred uh, at that time, President Obama was president and the, the leaders of the nations got together and said, hey, here's the agreement we're entering into to save the planet. We got to save the planet. And so what happened What happened shortly after that, President Trump is elected. He gets in and says, no, we're not putting America in that. We're getting out of that. And the, the global leaders around the world, we didn't hear much media here, but around the world, they just wrung their hands and, oh, this is terrible. This is the worst thing ever. We're going to destroy the planet. What it did was it messed up a lot of their plans. Now, when Biden became president, he put us right back in one of the very first things he did. And what happened five days before the Paris Climate Accords, the top, I think it was the top 400 banks in the world got together and said, how can we use our economic weight that we have to be able to implement the things they decided to do at the, at the Paris Climate Accord? When they come up with how to save the planet, we gotta make sure that as economic institutions, we can make that happen. So this has been going on, it's what's called ESG. ESG stands for uh, Environmental Social Governance. So what happens if you can be, if you can kind of think woke for a minute, think of what environmental means to those who are woke. It means no no fossil fuels, no energy of any type other than all natural energy, solar or wind, or I don't know why they think electricity is natural energy because it takes coal or nuclear power or something to produce it. But nonetheless, that's considered acceptable energy in that circle. So then you have social, and that is really kind of like social justice stuff. Um, how woke are you? Where are you on LGBTQ issues, et cetera? And then governance means how you govern your, your corporate bodies. If, if you have money invested in something, or if you're on a church board, or, or you're on some college board, whatever um, they have, and it's posted online, here's the here's the ratio we want. We want, I don't remember exactly the numbers, but it's like, we want 17% of your board members to be Asians. We want 23% to be African-Americans. We want whatever. It's not on, on merit you have. We want particular types of people there. And so based on how you handle all three of those things, Everybody gets what's called an ESG score. Everybody in the United States has an ESG score right now. Uh, if you have investments of any kind, the top seven banks in the U.S., whether it's Wells Fargo, Merrill Lynch, or Chase, or whatever, they've already got ESG scores on you. So the way this works is this environmental social governance kind of thing. 
um, that they want to be able to help make sure we save the planet. And so what you saw in Canada was part of BSG. And by the way, what I'm about to tell you, you should not take and not believe. You want to, you want to find this is true, go, go to the World Economic Forum and read their website right there on front. It tells you what they're doing, what ESG is, and what they're going to do. Uh, you can go to whitehouse.gov. You can go to treasury.gov because we're part of this ESG movement. So what happened in Canada was these truckers come there <clears throat> to protest and, and they want freedom and they want to uphold the, their individual rights. And Trudeau comes out and says, you're all a bunch of terrorists. Now, in anybody else's nation here in America, if our governor in Texas said, hey, we got a problem with terrorism, he would call out the state guard or the national guard, or he would call out the police or the sheriffs or the constables or somebody. And that's what we thought would have happened in Canada. But if you notice, what happened was Trudeau didn't do that. What he did was brought out the finance minister. Now, why would you bring the finance minister out to talk about terrorism? Because the finance minister made some interesting statements. She said, well, these are terrorists. And so here's the deal. If you're giving money to them, you're funding terrorism. Oh, so now if I contributed 25 bucks to them, I've now put in the, in the context of funding terrorism. And then she went on to say, and we're not going to allow that, so we're gonna make sure your monies don't get there. Now, if you remember, there was already the first company said, we're not gonna send any of that 10 million to Canada. We're not gonna accept any of it. They had already signed on to the ESG standards. And, and that means they're not gonna support this stuff. But what happened was Gibson Ghost said, well, we'll do it. You know, we'll, we'll send the money there. Money hadn't got there yet because the credit card company said, we're not delivering the money. We're not gonna fund terrorists. So you may have given money from the United States, but it's sitting somewhere in the bank because as she pointed out, we're not gonna let that money go to things that we think are bad. That's part of ESG. This is what China has done for a number of years. It's called social credit scores. Uh, the free market system we have in America, we say credit scores are based on the credit you have. If you got the money, if you paid your debts, if you have income, whatever. But with them, it's no, it's based on what your views are. You may not be able to pay it, but if you have the right views, we'll find a way to fund you because we want you to increase. We want your tribe to increase. If you have the right woke views, we need more like you. If you have the wrong views, if you don't have those anti-biblical views that they have, then we're going to make sure we defund you. So what has happened with this is it, it, when this first came in the United States, um, when Biden came in, got us back in the climate Paris Accords, then he said, all right, we're stopping drilling. And so we had just become energy independent under Trump, and now we're back to not having energy. And so we saw that all the prices started going up. And so we said, well, that's an attack on oil companies. So Texas passed a law quickly that says anybody who tries to boycott oil companies will get no investment money from Texas. All of, all of our pensions, all of our teachers' pensions, all of our state employee stuff will not invest in any bank that's going to boycott energy because energy is a big part of Texas, as it is for most states. So that was what people thought it was as a tackle on the institutions, but it's not. Uh, uh, Jim, I'm gonna take you for a minute. You're a Kansas farm boy, and you come to us and said, you know, I need a loan to, to expand the farm in Kansas. And I'm gonna look at you, Jim, I really checked your background and I see that you have 400 cows in your farm and those cows produce a lot of methane gas. And as you know, that's the worst thing to kill the environment. And we've checked and you don't have any solar panels up and you don't have a windmill on your property. So we're gonna have to say, we can't give you any more money to help your farm. Uh, sorry, you're just gonna have to go out of business. So it's not just after institutions, they're looking at individuals, which is why every individual has an ESG or energy social governance score. This is where the money flows and they do it by credit institutions, which is why there's a big push for digital currency. If you got digital currency, it's in a bank and you can't get to it unless the government lets you get to it. 
Now, if I've got cash under my mattress, I can get to it unless they take it away from me. But the same with credit cards. Now, this goes in conjunction with another thing that the Biden administration is doing. It's called modern monetary theory. If you go back to the Roosevelt years, the, the, what was really the Great Depression and then the New Deal, what they did was Keynesian economics would said, you know what, you can spend your way out of any kind of depression. If, if you got an economic downturn, just start spending more money. We've been doing that since the 2008 downturn. Federal government's spending about 65 billion a month, I think it is, that we don't have, which is why the debt's going up. So we're spending all this money we don't have, and that's gonna keep us from going into an economic downturn. But we say, yeah, but you've got debt. What do you do with debt? Well, Keynesian economics says you don't worry about debt. You just spend your way into prosperity. So that's what Argentina did. That's what Venezuela did. That's what Hitler did. And they all crashed. And the, the modern monetary theory says, well, they did that back then, but they left part of it out. And the modern monetary theory says you have to be able to control inflation because when you have runaway uh, spending by government, you have inflation. So we see the largest inflation we had in 40 years going on here. And yet President Biden's not talked about that. He's not talking about it, not doing anything to change it. It's taking money out of people's pockets and he's not doing anything. How come? Because modern monetary theory says the way we control inflation is by controlling supply and demand. So we've seen gas go up uh, before President Trump left office. I was paying a dollar and nine cents a gallon for gasoline. Um, this week it was three twenty nine. I talked to a South Carolina uh, guys from the legislature there just a few moments ago, and they said that just today the price of gasoline has gone up another thirty cents in South Carolina. Why is that? Because President Biden just announced that he's imposing economic sanctions on Russia for what they're doing in Ukraine. And grab this, the economic sanction he imposed is we're not going to take any more Russian oil or gas into the U.S. Oh, so now we've even cut more energy off from the U.S., which means we have less, so our prices are going up. They actually are predicting that prices may reach $7 a gallon, the way this is going. So nobody can afford that. So how do you avoid $7 a gallon? Well, we're going to say, just like we did to churches, we're going to tell you who's essential and who's not essential. And we said churches weren't essential. Well, we'll now tell you which businesses are essential and which aren't. And if you're an essential business, you can go buy gasoline. But if you're not an essential business, we're just going to turn off your credit card. And when you go to the pump and try to get gas, you're just not going to be able to do it. And so that'll lower the demand for gasoline, which will lower the prices for gasoline. We'll tell you whether you need to work. And by the way, Rosemary, I've checked you and you have to drive 33 miles a day to get to work. And that's just way too much gas. So we're going to let you buy gas one time a week and you can go to work one time a week, but that's it. And so, again, it's economic control and that's modern monetary theory. That's how you avoid inflation. That's why Biden's not worried about it at this point, because they can simply regulate supply and demand. And what we're seeing in Canada is the first shot over the bow. Now, World Economic Forum is the one who's put all this together. And that goes back to the climate accords, Paris Climate Accords and the 400 banks. And if you'll check even their website, you'll find that the finance minister for Canada is on that general governing board for the World Economic Forum. You'll also find that the head of the World Economic Forum is talking about how great Trudeau is. He's one of our young upcoming ESG guys, and we're so proud of what he's doing there in, in Canada. So this is exactly where they want it to head. But we Americans, we're so used to our free market economic system, we can't even visualize this happening in our nightmares. And so we're just not aware of it. Uh, so as just before we got on this phone, Jim, I was talking to, to state legislature and they want to get ESG laws passed to ban this. Uh, there's about 20 states working on it right now, just in, in recent weeks. Uh, Glenn Beck and I just went to a state and spoke to the legislators there and the governor and all the, the committees. And so they're going to get it passed. 
we got to do with this what we did with the, the BSD with Israel. If everybody remembers the boycott, divestiture, sanction, 35 states came out and said, if you're going to boycott Israel, if you're going to do BDS to Israel, you ain't getting any of our state funds. We will not invest any state funds, our pension funds, our teacher funds, nothing. And that was trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars that was withheld. And so all of a sudden, those, those, you know, co those companies aren't trying to do BSD anymore. We got to do the same thing on ESG. We got to get enough states to pass this this measure that we withhold state funds. That it takes trillions of dollars out of the economic system, which really hurts those investors and those banks. And then they they back off and leave us alone and let us keep our free market. But this is the the greatest attack we've seen on the free market in our lifetime. And it's not a it's not a phantom attack. All you got to do is look to Canada when you trot out your finance minister rather than your police to take care of terrorists. That tells you where we are. David, give us a more of an update on, on the state legislators because you work closely with them. <clears throat> what is this? If some states passed it already? Uh, well, you have, yeah, you have about nine states that have got some form of legislation on it. Senator Nathan Dom in Oklahoma, he just studied this on his own and said, I got to do something here. And he wrote a bill and wrote a constitutional amendment. It hadn't gone anywhere yet because he just introduced it. Um, Glenn and I were just in Idaho there. And, and so I think they have the, the most advanced model bill right now. A lot of this stuff has been so developing just in recent weeks, and now people see it in Canada, that it's affecting what goes in the legislation. When Texas did theirs back 18 months ago, it was nothing but protect the oil institutions, protect oil and gas. Well, and that's a whole bunch more than that. So what we look at is you have Arizona who's dropped a bill. You have New Hampshire dropped a bill. Kansas has dropped a bill. They're good bills. Um, they don't go broad enough. They, they have the E part, but not the S and G part. And in other words, they're trying to protect energy and environment through traditional stuff, not through the woke stuff. But they're not going far enough to protect the other because that just wasn't an issue when they filed this a couple of months ago. So what these bills do is they prohibit what are called social credit scores. You can't use social credit scores. And by the way, if we find any economic institution in our state using social credit store scores, We'll pull our state money out and you'll lose all the state money. And by the way, we're also allowing citizens to have a private cause of action. Now, generally in a state law, it's got to be the state attorney general or a district attorney or somebody who files suit. But this allows citizens to do it. This is what stopped abortion in Texas last year. We passed a law and we didn't rely on state officials to enforce the abortion law, anti-abortion laws. We let any citizen anywhere in the state sue an abortion clinic for having abortions. And that shut them down. That's what shut it down. So this this allowing a private cause of action where that, you know, Jim, I, I told you, you can't have a loan because you don't have wind and solar on your farm. You can sue me and say, hey, you use social credit. You didn't check my economic credit and I'm going to take you and it's going to cost you a bunch of money because you denied me uh, a loan. That's that's a private cause of action. So where things are right now, Heartland Institute is a good place been working on this, but there's about 20 states working on it. We're working very closely with the states to keep them up to date on the newest stuff and to get the biggest, broadest bills we can in there right now uh, that handle the stuff. So Arizona had a hearing last week. Uh, we were, I think, a week and a half ago in, in Idaho. Today uh, in South Carolina, uh, they had uh, one of the senators gave a great speech uh, on, on the CSG stuff. So states are starting to get a little bit of it. But I'll tell you, when, when we were in um, Idaho, 100, 100 folks there in that legislative meeting, legislators, staff, et cetera, uh, only one person ever heard of modern monetary theory, and that one person was an economics professor at the University of Boise, and only five or six had even heard of ESG, What had no clue what that was. So what we're looking at is most people don't know what we're talking about, and you have to educate legislators to get them up to speed on this.
when it all shakes out over the course of however many months it takes, would uh, do you think approximately, you know the state legislators quite well, you think maybe 30 out of 50 could quite likely pass something like this? Well, I, what I think is if they start shutting down people's credit cards and gasoline, everything else, it may be closer to 42 or 43 out of 50. Uh, right now, just on the philosophy of it, I think we could get 28 states probably just on the wrong philosophy. But if it started hitting people in the pocketbook, and if you, in, it, again, you know, it's just crazy. You see the police in Toronto doing what they did. If they don't, their pocketbooks get cut off too. They can't buy food or groceries or anything else. So they may not have wanted to do all that. And it looked like they did want to, but even if they didn't want to, they're, they're under the control of the government in a very real sense. And Canada, unfortunately, has no bill of rights, no constitutions like we have. They don't have the protections. But if it ever got into where I think even in Connecticut or Massachusetts, if the government started going into your bank accounts and shutting them down and cutting your groceries off or anything else, I think even a lot of the Democrats would say, what in the heck are you doing, even though this is really a progressive global plan that, that people are pushing? I don't think the progressives in America are aware that it would affect them the way it would. So I would say, Jim, maybe 43 if it came to a real crisis thing. But I think probably we can get 25 to 28 pretty quick would be my guess. Is there anything the individual citizen can do now in America? And the discussions up in Canada were to, uh, as, as best they could, start pulling the money out of the banks, <clears throat> which is not easy to do. Very no, it's not. To do. <clears throat> but uh, what can a private citizen do right now uh, that's, that's prudent, uh, given the dynamics of what's coming at us this fast? And by the way, you just mentioned something, Jim, remind me of another provision. You remember back when Biden just a month ago was pushing that Build Back Better bill, and, and part of it was if you have $600 in your bank, we want to be able to monitor your bank account. The reason they do that is they want to know where you spend your money because that way they can get ahead of the unseen hand of the free market and know where to start regulating, where to start doing that, that control supply stuff. People wonder, why in the heck do you care if I've got $600 in my account? Because if they get access to it, they can see where you spend your money, what you're spending it on, et cetera. So that's part of that ESG kind of thing. So what can be done right now is citizens, number one, need to make sure they know what ESG is. And again, you can go to World Economic Forum and get yourself really bored, but you'll learn what it is. Uh, you can look online. Even Harvard, who is an ESG institution, has a pretty good piece describing what this is. And, and so once you know what it is, you can't defend yourself from something you don't know is out there. You know, we're told in Proverbs that the prudent man foresees the danger and goes and hides himself or takes takes precautions, if you will. So you got to know what the danger is in order to take in order to use the preventative measures. There we go. And so that's the first thing. Second thing you have to do is Song of Solomon 813. The Bible says your friends listen to your voice. So speak. And it's just tell others. Let other people know. Then what you got to do is you got to call your legislators and say, what are you guys going to do about ESG? And they're going to say, what is ESG? And then you get a chance to help them know what ESG is. If you go to the Heartland Institute, they'll have pieces on it. Right now, we're getting a bunch of two and three pagers done to be able to educate people, educate legislators. So we hope to have those out soon. Uh, but those are three things to start with. Number four, you need some fluidity in your accounts. Don't go to digital currency. Do not get into, I mean, that sounds so nice. You don't have to keep the paperwork. Keep the paperwork. You don't want to have someone have absolute control over your finances. Uh, you want to keep cash where you can and, and whatever else. That's a tough thing to do, Jim, as you said, to pull it out. If you pull out much, they have to report you to the federal government. If you pull out, I think, 10,000 or more, 
and then you're subject to all sorts of criminal penalties. So there, there's a lot that, that hinders that, but you need some fluidity, you need some cash and availability, and you just need to also understand how to live uh, in a situation, how to, and by the way, this also implies you need to get out of debt, because as we're told in Proverbs 22, six and seven, uh, the debtor is, is servant to the, the, to, the, to the lender. And so if you're in debt, they've got a way of controlling you at that point in time. So get yourself out of debt as soon as you can, but be able to live independently. And, and that's something I, I don't want to scare anybody and I don't believe in conspiracies and I'm not calling for that. I'm just telling you, this is what they're trying to do. And if we can get this stopped by you knowing what it is, by you telling other people what it is, by you letting your legislators know what it is, that's going to be a big thing if we can get some of these bills passed pretty quick. You referred to an institute. I couldn't tell whether you said Heartland Institute. The, the name. Heart, yeah, Heartland Institute is the name of it. Heartland Institute. Uh, they do a lot on this. Actually, Heartland Institute is the ones that co-authored the book with Glenn Beck about the Great Reset, which goes into great detail on this and, and gives all the footnotes and World Economic Forum, et cetera. Um, so that book, interestingly, they are trying their best to keep that off Amazon and suppress that book. So Glenn has actually had to, to offer it in, in other ways through other vendors because they just don't want the book out there. But nonetheless, uh, legislators are getting informed. We are seeing good progress. But Heartland Institute is a good place for information. And within probably a few days, we'll have it up on wall builders as well and be able to have some short papers on it. Is that Heart, heartlandinstitute.org, I suppose? Uh, Jim, I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, just and look up Heartland Institute. There's only one there, I think. The, the book by Glenn Beck is called The Great, the Grand Re the Great Reset? The Great, the Great Reset. <clears throat> yeah, I've been hearing about it. So anything more, David, you want to say? I so appreciate you scoping this. In all the conversations we have with the truckers and some of the pastors that were involved there, uh, one very simple one, one guy just simply, I said, why in the world wouldn't Justin Trudeau care about and listen to his people and he said he, all he said was he's owned by the world economic forum period that's all he cares about he pleases them he's fine he cares not yep. one whit about the people well you know the the other thing that really disappointed me was to see about 60 percent of the parliament back trudeau you know i was real disappointed in the parliament because they had a, a chance to be checks and balances which tells me that that you know either the people have chosen representatives that don't represent them well or the people of Canada don't really understand freedom yet either. And they're kind of moving in that China direction, which is not a safe direction to move. So I was real disappointed in Trudeau, but I was even more disappointed that the parliament backed him uh, the degree that they did, particularly with all the stuff that's been happening. I was shocked too. 185 to 151, I think was the vote. I think and it was something like that, yeah. That was House of Commons. Does it have to go to the Senate also? Or it have to go to the upper chamber, I should say? Brother, I've never had a civics course in Canada, so I'm not sure about that one. So that, that's over my pay grade. Uh, David Barton, nothing is over your pay grade. You're, you're one of the smartest dudes I know, man. David, I, is there anything else we need to add? I should have asked that I didn't. The, the other thing I'd say, good precaution is get your money out of the big banks and get them in local banks. Get them in the, the mom and pop banks, the, the community banks. Sometimes get them in a, in a state bank. It depends on your state. If you're California, that's a big ESG state. I probably wouldn't put them in California state banks, but I would put them in local uh, or community banks. That's a good place to do it. And one of the things we're seeing now that's also distressing on this World Economic Forum kind of killed capitalism stuff, killed the free market, is that what we have what's called the Federal Reserve Board, which really handles the, the monetary policy in the United States. It's made up of seven board members. 
And of those seven board members, it has been four that were conservative put on by Trump and three that were progressive who are World Economic Forum kind of folks. And so three of those have now expired. So President Biden is trying to nominate three more to the board. And those three are extremely, extremely Trudeau-ish, World Economic Forum-ish. Um, and the proposal is that they want to wipe out all the national banks and just have the Fed be the only bank in America. So we'll move to just one bank. Now, that's a that's a bad deal, too. But under the free market, you want as much competition as possible. Under a government-controlled economy, you don't want competition. So they'll be the only bank. And so they it's been a fight in the Senate. Ted Cruz and others are, are trying to get these guys on record, and they refuse to go on record for what they believe. Now, we know what they believe because they've written, they've talked, they've given speeches, but they won't go on record in front of the Senate. So they've been trying to delay that vote. But you I don't know if they can delay it for years and keep people off the Fed board till you know after the next election. Well, I don't, I don't know. But nonetheless, all that to say, there is a definite effort to make one bank in America. And right now, um, my understanding from banking people is at the end of every day's business, they have to turn all their money into the Fed every night, and then they get it back the next day. So if the Fed is controlling money, that's another reason to get your money out uh, and, and get some access to it. But definitely get into private and small banks. Uh, as opposed to the big seven uh, or, or, or national banks, et cetera, get into some smaller banks. They turn their money in every night and get it back the next morning. Jim, try this. Let's go back to 2011. 2011, we had the economic downturn, right? And so the Fed is doing stuff and they're loaning money. And they said, you know, we got so many banks going out. We'll start loaning uh, a billion a night. No, let's make it five billion. No, let's make it 50 billion. No, let's make it a trillion. So what happened was they were increasing by incredible amounts. And first off, they were saying you have to pay it back within a week or within 30 days. And then they, they quit saying you had to pay it back at all. And so what happened for you, freedom of information requests were put out. And in, in, uh, in, actually, this was 2010, not 2011. It was 2010, put out in 2010. And the Fed went to the Supreme Court, fought this all the way. The Supreme Court said it's a matter of national security that people don't know what we're doing with our funds. And so the Supreme Court in 2012 gave a 10-year window from which they did not have to re release anything. They normally have a two-year window that they don't have to release anything. Whatever they did in 2010, you would get in 2012. Well, in 2012, when they should have been released, the Feds went and said, hey, we, we need this kept secret for 10 more years. So in February of this year, that 10 years was up. And so they released it and found out that all this stuff back then, they've been loaning apparently a trillion dollars a week to banks all over the world. They're funding banks in China. They're funding banks in Japan. They're funding banks in France and England, everywhere else, and not getting paid back since that World Economic Forum stuff. And we're just finding out about this in February this year through Freedom of Information Request. So there's a lot of nonsense going on that people are just not aware of. And why would the Fed refuse to come out with numbers that they're doing with banks and how much they're loaning banks? So it, it got to where that, I think the, the first week they were going to give out, uh, they, they said, we'll, we'll give out $50, $50 billion a night. And that night there was like $180, $120 million request for loans to banks that were in trouble. So they said, all right, we'll up it to 150 And then it kept going up and up and up. And now they're just flooding the banks with money. Apparently about 95 trillion unaccounted for to this point uh, that's gone out all over the world. And, and so you got into a whole different question there more than what you asked. But 
that's some of what's been going on. Again, that's public record stuff you can check. Define uh, two, two questions. Define the Fed in layman's terminology. For one. Uh -huh. Number two, I wish I could. Uh, to the extent you can remember, when you say like seven, the seven major banks, uh, name however many you can recall of, of those. So people, it triggers what you're talking about. Yeah, the, the Fed, man, that has been a nebulous group for a lot of years. It's an outside private entity. And by the way, have you heard about government private partnerships when it private business and government and partnerships? Do you know what the historical definition of that is? No, that if you will look in the dictionary, the definition of a government private business partnership is called fascism. Now, throw away Mussolini, throw away the concentration camps, throw away all the other stuff. A government private business partnership is called fascism by definition. So what happens is the Fed is private uh, entities, private banks, private and, and private ec economists who come in and run the government financial policies. And they're not accountable to anyone. People like Rand Paul have called of an audit for the Fed for years. They've I think they, they went in under Woodrow Wilson, if I recall. Uh, we've had them running the, the finances since 1913, maybe. I mean, it goes back a long ways. There's never been a, an audit of the Fed. We don't know how much money they make, what they do with it. We don't know where it goes. It's just not out there. So the Federal Reserve Board is what backs the money. That says the Federal Reserve note, if you look at your currency, it's not a U.S. Treasury note. It's a Federal Reserve note. Uh, and so this is that government partnership with private stuff that's been going. But now they want to bring all the other banks and all the insurance companies in and everybody else into this, in this government private partnership. And we, the government, will tell you guys how to run your businesses. And you keep making money the way you've been doing. You've been doing great. Just let us tell you what to do with it, where to put it. And so this is a, the classic definition of fascism. That's what's going on. I can't remember all the seven banks. And I, I think these are some of the banks, but it's Wells Fargo. It's Chase uh, Bank. It's Merrill Lynch. It's, it's, those, it's those really big kind of, you know, conglomerate kind of guys that are out there. And, and everything we've seen, they've all signed on ESG. And those seven banks we know are in ESG, according to Heartland Institute and other guys. So that's the Fed. Uh, that's the danger of the stuff. And those big banks, yeah, get out of. Oh, that was quite a gripping video with David Barton. Kind of an eye-opener. I don't know how many of us have ever heard of ESGs. Uh, how many knew, even knew what that was? What percentage of the population? And my gut feeling is very, very small. I'd like to unpack it a little bit more. We're going to talk to another special guest, Blair Corsham. Blair Corsham is the CEO of the Christian Community Credit Union. It's my understanding. It's one of the older Christian credit unions, and I guess the largest, I believe, uh, is located in, in California. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask some questions of him to help unpack what we just heard from David Barton and its implications for us here in this country. Uh, Blair, uh, it was kind of a shocker to hear some of the stuff that David Barton said. So help us understand, what's the difference? I'm going to start with this. What's the difference between a national bank, a state bank, and a credit union. Ordinarily, nobody would care. That would sound like an incredibly boring question until you understand the government can come after you, confiscate private property, freeze your accounts, and make it impossible for you to live, even go to the grocery store. And then all of a sudden, everybody gets interested in knowing what's the difference and what are the implications for us in the kind of scoring the government is doing on us 
presumably now as individuals. So uh, Blair, sure. welcome. Thank you. Blair Corsham from the Christian Community Credit Union. Start with uh, helping us understand national state uh, bank credit unions, the differences, advantages, disadvantages, and how we can operate protected from some of this government intrusion. Well, well, thank you, Jim. I appreciate uh, the chance to speak to everybody. Uh, there are a number of important differences. Uh, banks, you know, whether they're uh, state or federal banks, are basically all the same. They have uh, different state regulators, but they're all under the federal government. In the end, at the end of the day, banks are for profit. They they have stock. Uh, they may be privately owned, uh, but or publicly traded. Uh, publicly traded banks do have uh, the ESG scores that you heard Dave, David Barton talk about. Um, and that can be important if, if uh, ESG is, becomes, a, I'll call it, a bigger force in our nation. Um, credit unions, on the other hand, are, do not have stock. They are nonprofit uh, member-owned institutions, sort of like a cooperative. And uh, in that regard, because we are don't uh, have stock, at least so far, and this could change, so far we don't have ESG scores. We're not required to have those scores or calculate those scores. Um, there are many other differences and uh, it just depends on how deep you'd like me to go on what some of those are. Well, I guess uh, just from a very practical standpoint, uh, the ESG scores that are on publicly traded companies, those are on the companies, but now they're beginning to be pushed towards individuals, scoring on individuals as well? Yes, that, I think that's the great fear is, as is already common in China with uh social credit scores that one day um i'll call it the democratic uh, countries including the united states could move to a similar social uh credit score uh, we don't have that today but that would be a great concern where things like what you uh, look at and post on on social media could affect your credit score and that could be a very dangerous thing if that happened in our country. The World Economic Forum would be oh so happy uh, to have that happen. And they, they seem to be flexing their muscles a great deal more across the entire globe. So if at this point, uh, if I'm understanding you correctly, a, 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 a state bank and a federal bank are essentially one and the same in terms of federal government control. But a credit union is, did I understand you right? A credit union is automatically not for profit, member run. Yes, that that is that is correct. And and so a clarif clarification: state and federal banks are all under the FDIC, the Federal Insurance Program. Um, credit unions are typically under what is called the NCUA, which is a different organization. In a handful of cases like Christian Community Credit Union, we don't have government insurance, we have private insurance. And so that that is a, uh, a more unique difference. Uh, we still have a state regulator and we do have to follow the state regulations. 
but we have a little more freedom, not, not reporting to stockholders and instead reporting to members as our owners. And again, with private insurance, we also have a little more freedom. Uh, for example, we can cover uh, multiple accounts uh, for up to 250,000 where, where a bank has a single limit per, per member of 250. So there, there are a lot of other differences, but I think with the credit union, you do have a little bit more uh, control because we report to our members. We don't report to stockholders. And a member is anybody who deposits money with you? Yes. And in our case, though, I would say, and we're, we're somewhat unique in this, there are, a few, there are some others. Our, our members are only Christian individuals, Christian churches, Christian ministries. So we are a faith-based charter. And to be part of the credit union, you have to profess uh, Christianity and sign a statement of faith with us. Going back just to something earlier, Steph, in typical bank, FDIC will cover two hundred fifty thousand if the bank if the bank went under uh, per person. But did I hear you correctly that a person could open multiple accounts with you, and you have private insurance? So if a person had two hundred fifty in this account, two hundred fifty in this account, two hundred fifty in this account, one person, they all three would be covered through private yes. insurance. Yes, that that's correct. Um, we again, our private insurance is very very strong, very secure. You know, if you think of the largest insurance companies in their in their AAA ratings, that's the type of insurance this is. But you you could have 10, 12, 15 accounts each for two fifty, and all would be covered. Where if you if you had a million dollars at one of the big big name banks, you're only covered for two fifty. What downside or disadvantage is there with a credit union? And obviously what's provoking all of this is had Trudeau not done what he did in Canada, we wouldn't be having this conversation. That jolted all of North America, jolted the Canadians, it jolted those of us in the U.S. to see he could get by with that and did get by with it. And, and his lower house stood with him on a vote of 181 185 to 151 and he only got nervous because the senate wasn't going to pass it so he suddenly had an epiphany and he backed away when he saw the senate was going to embarrass him royally and he and he he revoked what he had invoked and so our whole conversation is we realized it suddenly ratcheted up overnight how insecure our funds are in banks that we we trust what the big loss of 2020 and 2021 is trust right the sacred institutions of our nation there's there's no trust anymore in most of them and that took away the trust frankly in the banking industry they could not defend canadian citizens from a tyrant who broke loose so what, what you're, you're if i'm hearing you right and obviously i know you're in a credit union so you're going to be partial towards that but i also trust your objectivity as a fellow believer in jesus what uh, what downside or disadvantage is there in a credit union? And again, in terms of protecting our finances, right? The downsides are there from a standard uh, federal or state bank? Well, I, I think the probably the biggest downside in all candor is many credit unions are very small. And 
there there is a point where too small is too small um and you know because you need a certain amount of staff a certain amount of resources just to run everything you have to run run all the data protection data data security and all those things um you know I, I feel and obviously as you said i'm biased i feel very good about our institution we we are the largest faith-based largest christian credit union in the nation and we do serve the entire nation even though we're based in california um so i i think really that's the the main downside to a credit union is if it's too small it may not be a good fit um but it, but if it's a medium or a larger credit union i think you can feel very comfortable again many credit unions um are are federally insured in fact most are uh we're we're one of the exceptions that are privately insured um and most credit unions are what they call community charters which means if you live in a certain state or certain county you can be a member in our case you can live uh anywhere in the u.s as long as you're a professing christian and be a member now i can get my car in 10 minutes i can be at a chase and a wells fargo but i can't be get my car in 10 minutes be it at the christian community uh, credit union so right. talk to me obviously i know it's an electronic age so talk to me about the potential inconvenience of yes. that pack. No, uh, really, really important question. I'm glad you asked. So most people uh, don't really know that much about credit unions. The, the fact is nearly all credit unions, including mine, uh, belong to what is called the co-op network, which is a credit union network. And so you could go literally to almost any credit union anywhere and fill out a withdrawal or a deposit slip for any credit union, even though you're in a different credit union and they will take your money or give you money, uh, you can conduct virtually any, any transaction at any credit union at no fee. Also in our case, uh, you can use, and you can use the ATM network of any credit union without a fee. Uh, and all the 7-Elevens nationwide, you can use their ATMs without fees. So actually, you have more access to branches and ATMs with us than you do with Wells Fargo or Chase Bank. It's just most people don't even, don't realize that. Well, I'm one of them, and I'm a bit taken back. Are you? Now I can get in the car in ten minutes. I could be at a credit union. Are you saying I could go to any credit union and do business with you through that credit union? You, you can, and during COVID, I will admit there were, there were some locations that temporarily uh, stopped what they call shared branching, but, but yes, that, that is true. You can virtually go to almost any credit union. You do have to know your account number, uh, but if you know your account number, you can, you can do a transaction anywhere. Um, the other thing you can do, which is common now for banks too, is you can use your cell phone and make a deposit uh, of a check on your phone uh, without ever going to to a branch. I, I don't think there's any significance in this, but just asking you, 
uh, we, we've noticed we're, we bank with a major name. Uh, I'll, I won't say the name. Uh, that will be changing. <laughs> and, but uh, and their services have gotten worse and worse and worse. They, 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 you, you, you can't, it's, it's shockingly in the last year. Now, the branches, nobody work, nobody's here. You can't go to this one. You got to go there. And then today, he went there and no cash available, it said. Oh, the ATM. Plus, and the ATM. Plus, the line was about 10 people long. So, mm. everybody has to wait at least half an hour hey. to be served to be served and that's the usual but no cash available and then i went to the atm and they said no cash avail available mm. i was just making a deposit but i said wow it's it it's not something you want to see no at, at your bank uh, no absolutely not it, it sounds like whoever the manager of that location was didn't didn't order uh you know you actually have to order money to have it delivered to each branch and somebody dropped the ball uh you know heaven forbid one day we have runs on the banks like we had in the great depression but it could happen it definitely it could happen one day well most assuredly did happen in canada, canada. yes <laughs> and in russia and other places exactly exactly fun fun and bolden is on with us Fawn, I want you, what questions should I have asked of Blair that I haven't? Fawn has worked in uh, credit unions for many years. Fawn is a really good friend of mine from Los Angeles. This lady is so sharp. I've tried to hire her when I was pastoring the church. I tried to hire her repeatedly. I could not get her away from the credit union she was working with, as a matter of fact. And she is a fighter for Jesus. She, uh, she understands this wokeness culture. She's articulate and our very very close friend uh fawn what question should i have asked the blair that i didn't ask it needs to be brought up uh well blair i wonder if you might be able to address the not-for-profit uh issue uh although the credit union is not for profit obviously as a smart business you make a profit yes and so my question would be um what kind of profit do you make and how do you determine what to do with the profit and do the members who you stated are owners of the credit union have any say so in the profit distribution? And then what do you base the distribution on? Um, might they be sure. values of uh, our Christian faith? Well, now you see what you see how I went to fun. Yeah. I, I feel like we just went from the third grade uh, into into a master's degree when when fawn speaks the world listens okay uh no excellent excellent question fawn um so yes even though we are technically non-profit um we are a different kind of non-profit than say a charity or a ministry but but we are a non-profit um and but we we do need to make a profit um because we do have to have uh equity and uh the only way you know one of the differences from a bank is we cannot raise capital through a stock offering the only way we get equity is to earn it and and save it and keep it so to serve a greater christian community in our case we have to grow our equity over time so we can make more loans 
and serve more people. So part of it is building capital. So we have the the backing to make sound loans to more and more churches, more and more people. And in, in our case, we do a more, just a little over about half our loans to actually go to ministries and churches. So that that's part of the use of the profit is to build equity so we can do more lending to ministries. Um, another part of it though, we actually give back and, and in fairness, banks do uh, community giving and do some things too. In our case though, uh, we give back uh, to Christian causes, Christian ministries. Um, and we do surveys. We're going to do a survey here in a couple of weeks with our members. And we pull the members on of all the different categories of giving, spread the gospel, human trafficking, disaster relief, hunger and homelessness, and so on. Uh, we, we ask members to prioritize, and then we try to align our giving to those priorities based on our members' uh, wishes. Um, I will also, and part of your question was, you know, who do we, kind of how are we managed as a nonprofit? Uh, we're managed by a board. Uh, the board is made up of our members. So to be on our board, you have to be a member of the credit union. Uh, you also have to have, you know, qualifications uh, yet because we are a financial institution. You want, you want people that understand uh, at least general good financial concepts. Uh, maybe you have a, a, an attorney, maybe you have a CPA and other such skills on your board. But the, it's made up of members on the board and I report to that board of members. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to Fawn for prayer in a moment. Unless Fawn, you have another question. Oh, okay, um, uh, Blair, is there anything else we should have asked? Oh, what's the name? Uh, tell them how they can contact you, uh, the uh, Christian Community Credit Union. Give your website and how they can be in touch with you if they if they want to do business with you. Well, well, thank you, Jim. Um, uh, you can you could Google Christian Community Credit Union or go to my mycccu.com mycccu.com okay i'm i'm going to um just remind everybody the reason we're talking about a topic like this on the world did you have a question you want to ask no okay the reason we're talking about this uh, what, all the years that i pastored i would say for the, for the last 10 years or so to the congregation i'm preparing you for what is to come i don't know what that is yet but I'm preparing you for that. Well, that is now. Things have dramatically changed in the last two years. Our country is, is not the same. And so I, I want to remind everybody what I shared in the last call, that on July the 20th, 21st, 22nd, we're having a meeting in Washington, D.C., actually right across the Potom Potomac, uh, right by the Pentagon in Arlington, Virginia. We're having a meeting there and july 20 and 21 on the 21st each day has a different emphasis <clears throat> the first day is teaching you what to say and how to say it how do you respond pick the top 20 30 political topics governmental issues how do you respond to them bullet point how do you learn almost like flashcards so to speak commit to memory essentially so you can respond as articulately as possible and, and increase your confidence because knowledge breeds confidence so that's the 20th of July. On the 21st of July, which is a Thursday, 
It's going to be different. How do we create an alternative universe, a parallel universe, if Christians continue to be fully marginalized, cancel culture, like we're seeing so many places, so many fired, how do we how do we function? For example, the banking arena. How would we bank? I'm going to be running some questions by Blair on that. I have a friend who believes he's got the technology and the way to weaponize our money to stay stay in business uh, if that were to occur. What if uh, standard educational institutions wouldn't receive us? How would we educate our youth? What would we do? How do we keep communication between each other if we're knocked off of all forms of standard social media? And so there's minds a lot brighter than me that have thought a lot about this. And I've been really praying, asking the Lord to put me in contact with the right people. And he's been honoring that prayer. And I've been inviting him to be there in July 21. Well, a piece of that would be a little bit of what you just heard right now. How do you avoid being scored by the government and judged falsely uh, based on this, this horrific criterion? And so based upon that, we're going to go right into prayer. I want to invite you to mark your calendars for July 20, 21, and 22. We're going to go into prayer right now. And uh, Fawn, I'm going to ask you to be the first one to lead us in prayer, if you would. And then I'm going to lateral to others to, to carry it all the way through. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, we are so privileged to come before you at this time at this moment and ask Lord that your Holy Spirit would pray through us. We are a nation that is in trouble. We are desperate for you. Father, we know that unless you build this house, we labor who build in vain. And I can remember Father, some 17, 18 years ago when I heard Jim speak for the first time that I remembered Father about the sons of Issachar knowing the times and what to do uh that was 17 18 years ago and whether it be at that time or at the time of noah preaching for the hundred years asking people to come along and it was just so far off it seemed so impossible it seemed so unbelievable we pray lord that you would awaken your church lord we take note father of the scripture that says awake O sleepers arise from the dead and christ will rise upon you we realize lord that there are congregations there are schools there are churches there are ministries there are individuals out there father that have an ember lord of your light we pray tonight father for those who have um just a, 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 a small embers of that light, Father, to be awakened to the move of your Holy Spirit. We pray, Father, that you would help us um, as a country, Lord, to come before you with hearts, Lord, full of repentance before you and ask, Lord, for forgiveness for the way that we have not obeyed you and taking the gospel to the nations and to obey, Father, the, to, to, to take the great commission to all the nations, Lord, and making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that you have commanded us. We have been asleep, Father. Our lights have been dim, Lord. When we go to other nations, Father, we see just the 
um, the fires that are burning in the bones for the gospel. And yet, Lord, in our nation, Father, somehow we have fallen asleep. Somehow we have become lukewarm, so conditioned, Father, to just um, let the same old, same old and not recognizing the time and the season. We pray, Father, tonight that you would raise up an army of your remnant, Father, that would still have that light, that still burning light, Father, seeking for your truth, for your grace. Lord, your word says that we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people set apart, Father, for your calling, who have been translated, Lord, from the kingdom of darkness into your marvelous light. We pray tonight, Father, that you would empower us with the power of the Holy Spirit to take on that mantle and go forth and to speak the truth and to embrace, Father, the um, uh, uh, various uh, situations out there, Father, so that we can um, rise up as uh, a David generation, speaking boldly, courageously, and counting the cost. Your word says, Father, that those who desire to come after me must deny himself and pick up his cross and follow me, seeking to lose his life, and in it you shall gain. And so we pray, Lord, that you would impart your spirit of revelation and knowledge and a spirit of discernment, Father, on our leadership, Lord, that you would continue to raise up watchmen on the wall who would be see, seeing afar off as to what you're doing and blowing the trumpets, blowing the horns, blowing the, the, the shofar, Father, giving warnings to the peoples. And Father, would you, as you have already given us, Jesus has already given us the keys of the kingdom. Whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever we lose on earth is loosed in heaven. We bind tonight the spirit of confusion, even on the elect. We bind every spirit of deception and delusion and secularism um, and atheism and antichrist in the name of Jesus. We pray, Father, that your spirit of grace, peace, salvation, restoration, redemption, and um, love and truth, Father, would go forth in power and might. We pray, Lord, that the spirit of Christ would rise up among your church, that would bring your church together, Father, as one, so that we might be a people, Lord, worthy to receive that calling, Lord, that you've given to us and carry out that message of salvation to the lost, to the last, to the least, Father, as we stand in the gap during this moment. We thank you and we praise you, Father, that your word says you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we're not coming to a God who is reluctant to do great and mighty things. We are coming to a God who is extravagant in advancing his kingdom so that your kingdom would come and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you, Jesus, for the wisdom and the revelation that you are placing on the leadership of this team, Lord, to help the church to be awakened to this truth. We pray all of these things in the name of the Father, the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We're going we're gonna, to uh, roll right into the prayer time. But uh, Faith, yeah, just to help the people who are praying, uh, before we went on the air, you were doing kind of a summary statement of the standard credit score versus ESG, environment, environmental, uh, social, governance the, comp the comparison of what we thought scores were and what scores have been i'm not going to call it the mark of the beast but it's awfully close to sounding like the mark of the beast that you have to have i don't like it and so do you want to get just a summary statement of, of, of this of what we covered uh you like we you i don't know if you remember what you shared with me before we went 
we went live on this. Are you able to say that? Oh, sure. Um, at this time, everybody um, that does financial transactions with a bank has a credit rating uh, that is from Experian. Uh, what else, uh, Blair? Experian, TR. Changing and Equifax are the That's main That's right. Three. Those three bodies govern and will just run your credit score so that it's kind of like when you go to school, you have a GPA, right? There's nothing better than to have a good credit score when it comes to financial ratings. Um, I would say to young people today, when they begin to date, I would say, well, what's his credit score? What's her credit score? Make sure it's in the 800. You don't want to date some kid that is in the six or 700. You're in trouble at that point. Um, and so the credit score is really important because it has everything to do with the interest rates that you pay on loans, on um, uh, also the rates that you pay on your insurance. I mean, it affects everything that you do through life. Um, and our lives are just you know, affected throughout um, with, with money. With the ESG scoring, it changes the picture significantly, by the way. People may not realize it, but if you're not careful and you bank with an institution or you invest, with an entity that um, is heavily dependent on the ESG scoring, you will then not be, um, your credit rating will not be based anymore on your ability to pay, your ability to borrow, your credit history, uh, and so on and so forth. It is now based on your views. Uh, are you a green person? Uh, are you a person who is for diversity in terms of how many uh, ethnic uh, people you put on your board, how many black, what percentage black, what percent of uh, white, what percent of uh, percentage of Asian, uh, regardless, um, you heard Blair mentioned that the board members have to be financially educated. Well, that's not going to be the case anymore. It's just the percentage of how uh, diverse and diversity is defined on uh, gender identity, on ethnic identity, on religious identity. Um, and then in addition to that, obviously, is the, um, the whole social construct of um, the LGBTQ or your social justice. If you say, for example, if you uh, have supported um, uh, a religious cause or a conservative cause or foster adoption or sanctity of life, well, that may be rated down for you on the ESG because their standard is different than our values based on the scripture. And so it is something to take note and to be very careful about because that day is coming. In fact, don't look now, it's already here. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. And uh, just us personally, uh, we're moving our funds uh, from the big ones to appropriate ones. And I encourage you to take a look at doing the exact same thing. And I really appreciate, uh, thank you so much, Blair, for being with us. Thank you much, Fawn. Fawn's last name is Emboldened, but it might as well be Emboldened. Uh, <laughs> just spell it just a little bit differently. Uh, she's, she's an awesome woman. And Blair, your uh, your explanations were so well done for us. Yes. Rosemary, what else do we need to ask before we go on and continue in prayer? Well, we're just so grateful. This is the appropriate time <clears throat> to help prepare us while we still have an opportunity and so we'll be sharing this as much as possible. And we so appreciate your willingness to come and to inform us and give us an opportunity to help save our finances, save our families, save our country and the nations. Blair, we're going to go to prayer one more time. Your website is? 
mymyccu.com. And thank you so much. Appreciate all the prayers. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please read the show notes for additional details if you would like a copy of the book or resources mentioned. Remember that WellVersed is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit organization. We rely on your support and partnership. Thank you for listening to the WellVersed podcast. For more information, please go to www.wellversedworld.org.